Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And man, I love that new episode intro so much. Um, I love it as much as I hate this movie that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, eventually, you'll have to stop saying that at the beginning of our episodes, but that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's, we're only a month into the new year. It's, I still have a little bit of grace period left. I guess this will probably come out uh, in February. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, I think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last time I'll do it. Last time I'll yeah. do it for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, what what is uncontroversial and what, what we do agree upon completely is that this movie sucks ass. Yeah, it does. So um, I guess theme month strikes again, really. Um, it's the theme month. Yeah, That's what it, it is. is the curse of theme month, honestly. Um, we're too late. We're committed, though. Yeah, committed. at this point. I mean, we've made the slate. We're going to stick to it. Uh, yes. So this theme month is pulp stories, um, pulp heroes and such. Um, for your enjoyment today, we have the 2016 film The Legend of Tarzan. Oof. Uh, directed by David Yates, uh, the dude who uh, will basically uh, just do Harry Potter films until he dies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he did every Harry Potter film since Order of the Phoenix, and that includes the Fantastic Beast films, which he really? yeah he did both of those, and he slated to do three more. You know what? I I didn't know that this was the Harry Potter guy um, un- until I was I was reading the material that we assembled for the for the for this episode, but like. The movie has a very distinct aesthetic. It, it looks like the Harry Potter movies, like like the later ones, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and he is the director of the later ones, yeah. so that makes sense. Um, I've really yeah. only seen one to four, um, so those are all different directors until we get to uh, David Yates here. So this is my first David Yates film, and it's <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> I mean, by, by all accounts, he, he's at least competent because like people love those movies the harry potter movies even even apart from ha- hardcore harry potter fans so like i don't know what was going on here it yeah just this is his first like flop film i mean the harry potter films i was checking rotten tomatoes they just keep going up and up and up and yeah. they're rating the last harry potter film which is a two-parter the second part had like a 96 mm-hmm. percent on rotten tomatoes that's wild. That's pretty wild. And even like the audience score was somewhere around there as well. This film is a 36% tomato meter. <laughs> that's wild because that's way too damn high. Yeah, that's way too damn high. Audience score of 58%. That's insane too. I, I can see how like this would be a watch it on like a Sunday afternoon with the family and forget about it for like j- just conventional moviegoers. Um, Especially if you like the Disney Tarzan, right? Like, I mean, you'd watch this film just by habit. There, there's a lot of um, th- this movie coasts on a lot of goodwill from the from the Disney Tarzan, just like the way he swings mm-hmm. and like kind of surfs on the branches and stuff. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, the the very concept. I mean, it has popular actors in it too. Yeah, so uh, we have uh, as Tarzan himself, uh, also known as John Clayton the Third and the Fifth Baron Greystoke, uh, yes. Alexander Skarsgård. Um, as Jane, we have uh, Margot Robbie, and then as just other random characters we'll get to later, we have Samuel Jackson, Christoph Waltz, Jaiman Hansu, Jim Broadbent, uh, and some random people I've never heard of, Casper uh, <laughs> Crump, funny. which is an amazing name. That's a, uh, that's a good name. <laughs> Simon, that's a Simpsons name. Yeah, it really is a Simpsons <laughs> name. Uh, Simon Russell Beale, Sidney Rallitzuel, and Yule... <laughs> 
Mazingtang. I, I thought I would take this from you for once because I, 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 I should have to butcher names just as bad <laughs> as you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um, the the Tarzan character is interesting. And maybe just to, to talk a little bit about this theme month, um, the idea of doing pulp action heroes. Yes. Uh, for those who are unaware, uh, the term pulp stories comes from uh, early 1900s, 20th century uh, action adventure stories primarily oriented towards young boys um, that were printed on cheap pulp paper. That's where the term pulp comes from. Um, the most famous examples are Tar- Tarzan's one of them. Another one is like Zorro, um, The Shadow, things like that. They they kind of set the template for uh, modern day superheroes or um, superheroes in the 20th century, which went on to become the modern day superheroes. Um, very long in story tradition, a lot of classic characters, and um, I, I think one of the reasonings behind doing this was there are just a there seems to be like kind of a contemporary trend of remaking these these characters now lately. There's kind of um, I wouldn't call it a, call it a boom, but it's like I, I think the production companies that own these characters want to retain the rights. Most so they, just churn, yeah. they just churn, churn out these crappy movies, and they get like some big name actor with probably an obscene payday attached and they just like just crap like, like spit them out over and over and over yeah so i mean uh the tarzan series uh 20 something books uh written by edgar rice burroughs he also wrote john carter of mars another you know dozen book series and that was made into a film by disney um a f- years before this somewhere in the 20 early 2010s he also wrote um oh no i'm thinking of someone else i was thinking of king solomon's minds but like it, it's just like keeping in that template of like, oh, posh white people find out about the exotic dangers of Africa and like they, they go on an adventure there and they they meet cannibals and aren't, aren't these Africans weird and crazy? Like yeah. that, that kind of like benevolent racism by, by 1800 standards. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I hope this is the most racist one that we have to watch. <laughs> Um, we're, we're not going to tell you what other ones we're going to watch, folks. Um, Correct. But I have an inkling that one of them might be fairly <laughs> racist based on the antagonist. Um, I think they're all racist. Yeah. All yeah, racist. most likely. Yay. Um, yeah. I mean, the, these pulp these pulp stories and, and heroes, like, they're they're very influential. And um, I'm, I'm not going to play apologetics for the likes of, like, Ed Grace Burroughs or whatever or H.P. Lovecraft. But... Um, I, I think some of the stories and characters lend themselves to to ideas and stories that can be presented um, in a better context, in in a, in a less racist or less imperial less imperialist context than like the worst of them. Um, I don't think you can do that with Tarzan. No, uh, and this <laughs> movie proves that that it's impossible. Yes. Um, yes. Try as you might, it is really just um, it's a fool's errand at this point. The I, I think like the height of of contemporary tarzan releases was the disney yeah. uh, release um i i don't love it but it, it's like a good enough disney entry from that era people like it a lot um it has that unbearable phil collins soundtrack yes hell yeah yes but like at, at the end of the day to to make the character as presentable as possible it has to be a cartoon with like cartoon animals yeah and i mean that movie doesn't have like any african like people in it right there's no I black mean, people, there's in, no that, black in, that people in that movie that's probably to its benefit Think of that. like I mean, that is to its benefit yes they can't do it they don't do it well in this film i mean no. i wish they'd re- really like i mean maybe they should just made tarzan 2 i don't know i mean actually i think there was a tarzan 2 it was tarzan and jane it was a direct-to-video sequel there was a tarzan 
like one and a half when they they, they kind of do that with some oh, movies like they, yeah. they do that with like mm-hmm. uh lion king lion too king, yep um yeah where it's like oh you there's the child version of the of the character so we're gonna do like a prequel focusing on that version right before the events of the actual movie yes yes yeah so i mean that's probably better than this movie honestly um definitionally so yeah I would say. I, the uh the tarzan level in kingdom hearts is uh better than this movie <laughs> and that's one of the worst levels it is in that it's an awful level it's still better than this movie <laughs> Um, this is the only time we're going to stand Disney, I think. I mean, I, hopefully this is the only time we stand Disney. <laughs> Backhandedly yeah, so. Yeah, um, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like this movie, though, because yeah. for a budget of $180 million, it made $356.7 million. So it recouped its yeah. budget and made some. I mean, you know, not an astronomical amount of money compared to like the rest of his filmography. I mean, obviously yeah, the Harry sh- Potter Jesus, movies yeah. make, you know, a billion times more than they actually cost, but yeah. That's not terrible, you know. I'm sure that's why they keep letting him make movies, right? I mean, cuz he makes them money. And um for for budgets like this, don't don't standard budgets just like the like the 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 first number that we're given um like this 180 million doesn't this not account for for marketing that's true i don't think it does no i think this is just a production budget so um i'm not sure if we even can find the you know the numbers for that kind of stuff so maybe it actually was a loss maybe i don't know (laughs) i think the shorthand is that a movie has to make double its budget to be considered a success yeah and this movie does not it's close it's like uh four million away from that but right yeah right whatever I'm, I'm sure it i'm sure it made double on the um on like dvd dvd sales and shit like that. oh yeah um, probably blu-ray i guess whatever mm-hmm. jesus blu-ray would not um, make this film better folks <laughs> we <laughs> promise you <laughs> uh you did pull an excerpt from an av club review here by uh jesse hassinger um hassinger writes Without many binding action sequences, the movie draws more attention to its shortcomings, like the terribly limp banter between Tarzan and Williams, who serves as a competent but only semi-comic sidekick. Jackson keeps pulling his, putting his heart into it, as he usually does, but Tarzan as a character doesn't lend himself well to playful callbacks to earlier pithy exchanges, especially when said exchanges are not that pithy, and said callbacks barely seem to amuse the people on screen. The movie tees up an exciting, likable yarn, but it never really takes off. Yates finally stages a pretty strong action sequence for the, for the climax, featuring an animal stampede, a hail of 19th century machine gun bullets, and some impressive Tarzan acrobatics. Unfortunately, it arrives too late for the movie to become rip-roaring pulp. It's nice that The Legend of Tarzan isn't a nakedly mercenary franchise play that presumes dozens of sequels to come, but it sure could use some money-grubbing set pieces to tie the gen- gen- genial silliness together. Yeah, I think it's accurate. The only place where I disagree is that he didn't go hard enough. It's <laughs> just <laughs> true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, th- this doesn't have like the nakedly pathetic like sequel bait that a lot of these action would be kickstarts to franchises do. But like, th- this is pretty nakedly just created to hold on to the IP. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, there could have been a sequel if it did well. I mean, the end of the movie, they have a baby. Jane and Tarzan yeah. have a baby. So there easily could have been a sequel. I think he's wrong. I mean, I think I don't think it would have been, like, you know, a 10-movie franchise or anything like that. But, I mean, like, they wanted a sequel at least. They wanted to start something yes. here. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I, I could see them doing, like, the extended pulp cinematic universe. Hell, yeah. <laughs> like, just with... with 
I mean, and there are, what, 26 goddamn books that yes. Burroughs wrote. So, like, there's plenty of material to pull from. Um, they would not be... Who who produced this flop again? Or this, this piece of crap uh, Village Roadshow and then Rat Pack, uh, which actually is Brett Ratner's company. Um, Interesting. Sexual assaulter, piece of shit, Brett Ratner, allegedly. <laughs> Jesus. Um, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly in Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so they they produced this. Um, hopefully, they did lose money on this one. Fuck them. Right. And my my point was like they well, and I mean distributed by Warner Brothers too. Like they, yes. they would not they would not be above milking this cash cow for all it's worth if it actually turned into a cash cow. Oh yeah, mm, definitely. Um, yeah. So I, let's get into loathsome content. I guess we've kind of um, <laughs> so the the movie. Yeah, <laughs> loathsome content. The movie that is really what we we have here, folks. <laughs> um yeah so tarzan um we all know him or actually i think we all don't know him that's the reality right like i think we only have like the the cultural memory is the the disney show for most of us or the disney movie and people know the call right yeah oh that thing people know like george of the jungle which is like the spoof version george of the jungle officially better than tarzan at this point brendan (laughs) frazier Brendan Fraser, yeah, yeah hell we yeah. should do the sequel to that one because I don't think that was as well beloved as the original. And I think it's not Brendan Fraser in the sequel too. Oh, really? I don't know. It's like the poor man's Brendan Fraser, Amazing. which is like, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Like French um, Stewart, like uh, like in the uh, <laughs> the fucking Inspector Gadget movie where they got yes. him for the second one. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, I guess like tar- nowadays people have very dim cultural memories of Tarzan, but like mostly mostly influenced by the disney movie um but yeah the character is actually like from the original pulp stories he is aristocracy right he was he was um orphaned and and his parents when when they died in africa after they kind of built a treehouse there and tried to make a go at living in the woods um they were aristocrats and he he kind of has like a bat like a proto batman thing going on like um when we meet him at the beginning like he has like a manor and he's rich and like he's a member of society Mm -hmm. His but butler's this, name like, is Alfred. Yes. Or Albert. I don't know. I don't remember. Al- but whatever. whatever. Who cares? It's, it's Albert's grandfather. Yeah, exactly. It starts with an A-L. It's the same. So yeah, there's that element. And, and that's actually, that's actually a very time-honored like pulp tradition. Like the, the, the nobleman by day and the crusading kind of more wild figure by night. Right. Like Zorro is the same Zorro, way. The shadow is uh, the same way. Scarlet Pimpernel, which is kind of yep. like the, um, the first of all of them i think really one of the first if not the first of the pulp action heroes so we can blame baroness orczy yeah uh the the creating the mcu it's it's her fault actually (laughs) originally um but yeah tarzan has the same general thing going on and um was raised by by gorillas by great apes uh became kind of one with the jungle king of the jungle um he meets jane who apparently is american which i didn't know i didn't know that either yeah um, but she she was on an expedition with her father who was who was studying um, Africa I guess I, yeah, in the, I, I assume in in the Congo um, and they meet and they fall in love and then he moves back to England and he kind of becomes a celebrity so they kind of do this interesting thing and I, I guess this is a, this is a point in the movie's favor they integrate like the metatextual. Um, pulp stories of tarzan like samuel l jackson's character shows him like a pulp magazine right yes. of tarzan mm. so like, like tarzan's um like f- like fame 
bleeds into the real world in in a way that his fame uh, or, or ble- bleeds into his world in a way that it actually exists in the real right. world. Right. Yeah. There's one scene um, where a bunch of kids just like uh, you know bum rush him and they just start asking him questions about his time <laughs> in the Congo and yeah, mm-hmm. it's. That is one of the better scenes, too. Yeah, he, he interacts with the cute kids, and they're like, oh, do you really take the stairs when you go upstairs? He's like, no, I take the curtains. Yeah, and that... just <laughs> hamming it up for the kids. That was cute. Yeah, that was actually one of the better, like, jokes, too. We'll yeah. get into the terrible jokes of this movie, but that was one of the better ones. <laughs> yes, that's the only only decent <laughs> decent humorous line. One for children. That was the, that was the yeah. only good one. Uh, I guess we should introduce the Samuel L. Jackson character, who's probably the best thing to come out of this film yeah um, that's true george george washington williams mm-hmm. yeah um he's a real person uh so yeah. we actually have a few real people um represented in this film uh samuel jackson's character george washington williams was a real uh journalist uh soldier historian um who fought in the civil war uh he fought uh in spain oh sorry in mexico against mm-hmm. uh emperor maximilian uh, he also fought in the Indian Wars, and then he became an envoy to the Congo. Yeah, and um, the the reason they included him is because when he uncovered the abuses that King Leopold was doing in the Congo and, and enslaving people, literally, um, he he wrote an open letter in that, and he, and he did he documented um, and backed up and and corroborated a lot of the evidence, and it it, it was because of Williams that um, that ended. So like that. It's actually a pretty clever move of them to um to write his 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 character in here in like in a, in a historical fiction kind of way. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it is um one of the better choices they made in this film. Um, sure. One of the better additions of you know an actual uh, human being. Uh, they also added uh, Captain Leon Rom, who uh, was Leopold's. Um, I don't know envoy to the congo i guess yeah he he's turned into like an evil villain here yeah christoph um, waltz's character yeah he i mean doing some more of our patented research here um there's not much easily available information on him that i can find right now um but he he was in like an overseer in the congo free state um around the time of this movie in 2016 he was not <laughs> <laughs> yes. in 1890 i think that's when this film takes place uh, Rom, be- and this is this is quoting from the Wikipedia article. Uh, Rom became most famous for the allegedly for the alleged brutality of his administration in the Stanley Falls area, according to contemporary reports from white missionaries. Rom had used the severed heads of twenty one Congolese to decorate the flower beds of his house at Stanley Falls. Jesus fucking Christ! He is also said to have kept the gallows permanently in place at his station. Okay, so I'm, I'm okay with this portrayal. Of yeah. This asshole. That- they actually don't make him like terrible enough in this movie he's like he could be worse <laughs> he's relatively sympathetic considering yeah yeah that's fucked up fuck you david yates and the two people who wrote this film whose names escape me um damn yeah so he he's the main villain and he has um the only notable thing about him is he has a rosary he's he's presented as kind of like really religious yeah um and he carries a rosary that the string is made from they call it like spider uh madagascar spider silk or right. something mm-hmm. um and it's like a long rosary it's it's like five feet long or something and he, he chokes people with it and because it's so stretchy and, and strong he can actually choke people with it and he does that a couple times mm-hmm. yeah well, our first introduction to him when he's uh 
his group of mercenaries is uh, ambushed by um, some African peoples. Uh, yeah, he chokes one guy out. Uh, after, like, he's hiding under, like, these two, like, shields, and you're like, oh, he's just a coward, and then, like, this guy comes up to him and he chokes him out, so it's like, oh, wait, no, there's more to this character. And that's actually when he meets um, Jimon Hansu's character, Chief Mubanga. Yes. Who's um, the chief in control of the the region, I guess, where, where diamonds are found, and that's why that's why Rom wants to parlay with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is a character from the stories, uh, Chief Mbongo. He's, uh, Interesting. he was not created for this movie. Um, the character of, uh, Muviro, uh, who's the Kuba tribal leader. Uh, he's also a character from the books. Is he the old guy that dies? He's the old guy who dies. Yeah. So right. he's also okay. from the books and that's kind of about it. Besides obviously Tarzan and Jane, Right. Nobody else. Everybody else was created for this movie. Maybe the gorilla that's his brother. Oh yeah, all the gorillas are yeah, are yeah, in yeah. the are in the book of of course. Uh yeah, like the gorillas that have names. Yeah, all the ones who have names. Yeah. Kala, his mother, and then the one who hates right. him. I don't remember that one's name. Yeah, so the the plot such as it is is kicked off when King Leopold, who's another real person, um he he doesn't appear on screen, but he extends a royal invitation to Tarzan or, or I guess John Clayton to come to the Congo to I don't know as like good publicity yeah. basically like that that's, basically, the that's really it yeah um and that's when we see Jim Broadbent um he actually plays the prime minister of England Robert right. Gascoigne Cecil the third Marquis of Salisbury uh <laughs> and uh <laughs> he he delivers the message to yeah. uh, John Clayton and uh, he's right. hamming it up he's great as always yeah. Jim Broadbent yeah um hmm, this is this is most unusual yeah. it's kind of like <laughs> classic like british twit yeah yeah it's great um they actually like everybody who plays an actual human being looks like them like they did a good job of that yeah that and, and that's what i was getting at when i said like this movie had the harry potter aesthetic down like um i'm, I'm not the biggest fan of harry potter book books or movies but one of the things the movies do well i think um, especially once they get to kind of the unified aesthetic of the later ones is like they present weird archaic British stuff, but makes it believable and like, yeah. like m- makes it seem like human and like real. And like these people acting within it aren't just like wearing funny costumes. And that's what this movie did too. It, at, at least in the, like the beginning during the British scenes. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think the Harry Potter films also like brought to life the characters from the book in a way that I think most people agreed with as well. So yeah, I think yeah. they have that in their favor uh, in this film. I don't think people would think, oh, Tarzan looks any different than he does here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or Jane. Although her uh, hair color is awful. Yeah, it's 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 very fake. Yeah. Um, very fake looking. Um, I guess another thing, uh, another good thing in this in the movie's favor is Samuel L. Jackson. He's he's just like it's easy to forget because he's kind of such a meme actor at this point. But like he's consistently solid in like everything he's in. Um, he he just he just brings it and like he he can do like action scenes. He can do like funny scenes if they're written well, which they're not in this movie. He can do like intense acting. Like I don't know it. I it nothing in this in this role that he does is notable. No, but like seeing yeah no like seeing <laughs> Fuck no <laughs> but, but like the fact that he makes it not patently ridiculous sure, and as bad yes. as like alexander skarsgård does it, it was just like a nice reminder of like 
he's in a ton of shit and he's always like at least passable which mm-hmm. is impressive no i agree and i mean he's really more the soul of this film than the character of tarzan is honestly like i can't yeah. tell you like a line a single line of dialogue that tarzan says but i can remember like even though most of the dialogue's terrible i can remember what <laughs> samuel jackson's character says and does for that matter although like mm-hmm. The action sequences that Jackson has, they should be amazing. They should be so yeah. cool, but they're so poorly edited. Like, I, I think, like, they forgot how to do continuity editing. Like, I just, like, yes. I do not know how they fucked it up so bad in this movie. Um, I don't know. I think a big part of it was, um, I mean, there's so, there's so much computer-generated stuff going on. Yeah. Um, everything from like the the clear the very fake looking jungle and trains and stuff to like the 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 very fake animals right and animals are such a huge part of it. Um, it it's like the Lion King like the the Lion King remake that they did but like with the added difficulty of actual humans having to interact with them too. So like I I, I just think whatever is easiest to make that's what they went with like editing continuity be damned. Yeah, I guess so. Although I would say like the final action set piece that has the most animals i think is the best action set piece um in terms of like how it is composed and some of the worst are the ones that are just people i mean some of the ones with the apes are terrible as well Mm -hmm. um like the fight between him and his brother yeah garbage nonsensical editing i mean i couldn't tell you what happens because they didn't try to make you understand what's happening in that fight yeah um but like just the scenes where like Samuel Jackson shooting people, it just yes nonsense. I the scene where like the um where Leon Rom and his mercenaries uh, go to the Koopa people and and they take Tarzan away. Uh, yeah, it, incomprehensible. incomprehensible. It, it's so so poorly lit. Um, when 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 Williams frees Tarzan and like he shoots his guards off and then they, the guards drop Tarzan and he rolls away. Tarzan rolls for what seems like like five minutes he just keeps <laughs> rolling down a hill and it's just like like williams like runs away he shoots some more guards and then we cut back to tarzan and he's still rolling and then we cut to christoph waltz pushing pushing jane on board the the steamship and they're escaping and they're like carrying their captives aboard and then it cuts back to tarzan and he's still rolling down yeah it feels like he's rolling for like way too long no it's true and then like i don't even think you see them put jane in that net it's no. just like, oh, Jane's in some net, and they have Jane aboard their ste- their steamship now. Like, they yep. literally do not know how to do continuity editing. Like, there's absolutely no continuity of shot between shot. And and as I said, this this whole scene, I, I guess we can just continue the plot summary from here, because fuck it, who cares? Fuck it, like, who cares? <laughs> obvi- obviously, Tarzan and Jane accept the invitation, and they, they go with Williams to the Congo, yeah. um, supposedly at the behest of King Leopold, but we find out. Uh, Christoph Waltz, uh, Rom, I guess, um, had fabricated that invitation to draw them out there. And when Tarzan and Jane are, and Williams are staying with their friends in the village of what people? The Koopa people. The Koopa K-U-B-A. people, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they're they're attacked by Rom and his mercenaries and they're captured. Right. And the reason why Rom is doing this is because, so Jaiman Hansu's character, Chief Mabongo, as we said, um, his land is where uh, there are resources uh i think mostly opar which is like a diamond they keep saying opar a lot right yeah um so black opal is like an un- uncut gems yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is the uncut gems prequel folks this is the uncut gems uh, prequel <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so he 
in the beginning, uh, Ram is like, oh, what, what, uh, what do you want for these, uh, these diamonds? And Chief Bungo's like, oh, I want one thing, and I want you to bring him here alive. And it's right. Tarzan, because Tarzan killed Chief Bungo's son. Um, because Chief Bungo's son killed uh, Tarzan's uh, gorilla mother, Kala. So yeah, that that's all the motivations in place, and obviously, um, with a real life historical parallel of King Leopold actually kind of pillaging the Congo, um, Rom wants to enable that scheme further and become like some kind of like local baron or local lord of of, of the Congo, backed right. by yeah, backed by the monetary wealth of the diamond mines that he would control. Mm-hmm. Well, he wants to be seen as like the the nation's hero, like uh, the Be- Belgian hero, because at this point, yeah. King Leopold has bankrupted himself by uh, expanding right. the railroad in the Congo. So he right. wants to you know bring some wealth back to the country so that right. everybody you know champions him. Um, I, he like explicitly says that at one point. <laughs> I, I was barely paying attention to that at that scene. And I, I guess con- continuing on with the plot uh, discussion, um, on on the steamship, it's like a paddle boat that um, that Ram has. He's he's having like a sit down dinner with Jane, and he helpfully explains his motivations to her and the audience conveniently enough. Uh, where, where yeah, he literally says that out loud. Yeah, that scene also has this ridiculous moment. It's actually um, a lot of scenes. Um, they end with what is called like a button on the end of a scene. It's just like this moment that kind of like brings the, the, the scenes idea all together. Um, yeah. It's quick and it's over. Um, in a lot of comedy movies, the button is like just, you know, the, the, the joke that was set up earlier in the scene, it comes to fruition. Um, yep. In this scene, the, the, the button they put on this scene is uh, at, they keep talking about like the knives, like Margot Robbie like steals a knife at one point. Just in the, and that's like directly ripped off from the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, movie. that's all I thought the whole time. Yes, because Kira Knightley she hides a dinner for a, a dinner knife and she tries to, to stab Barbosa with it, but it's like it's done well in that movie. There's like it's just a thing she does, and there's no like weird like discussion about it that kind of blocks up the action it just happens and it fails but it happens right. Um, so at the end, uh, a callback to her taking the knife. Um, we see. Uh, when she leaves the room, um, uh, Christoph Waltz reaches across to her plate and, like, takes her knife and fork and, like, places them down. Um, so I was like, when I watched this, I was like, this is awkward and meaningless. And then I looked it up, and what it means is, like, apparently in a formal dining setting, um, maybe in this time period, if you, like, cross your knife and fork on your plate at the end of dinner, it means you didn't like the meal. Um, so Christoph Waltz is recognizing that and he's just taking them and separating them. So there are two options for this. That was either, and, and this is your theory that you, that you postulated that that was done like as pandering to nerds in the audience who would like go on like Reddit and, and try to find out yes. like and, 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 ta- and, and generate more discussion for this, for this dog shit movie. Uh, my theory is that it was meaningless and, um, nerds on Reddit because nerds on Reddit are the worst people alive they they cast meaning onto that meaningless scene and they just pull, they just pulled that out of their ass because that sounds a little too generous i don't i don't believe david yates did that on purpose yeah i just i hope david yates and christoph waltz had like these like very intellectual conversations about like how to end this scene and then they came upon like this idea and it's like wow um yep yeah. you got it guys that's it everybody understood this everybody got it and it was just yeah. it was brilliant
Damn. Um, so meanwhile, while while this is while this bullshit's going on in in the steamship, um, Tarzan and Williams they they set off on a quest to to save Jane and, and the captured um, the other captured friends that that they have. Um, a bunch of random other people come with them. Yeah, they're never named either. They're just Kuba people, Kuba warriors. Yeah, they're they're just like there, and they they don't care. They don't bring any extra like weapons or, or skills or whatever they, they just like run alongside tarzan yeah <laughs> um they they barely have any lines and when when the whole group catches up to the, to a train like one of the aforementioned trains that leopold put through the jungle um they board the train in a in a set piece that that makes the indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull set piece yeah um about swinging look better oh yeah in comparison for sure and and they capture the train, and then that's it. That, that yeah. that's the extent of their of their presence mm-hmm. in the movie. Well, as you said before, um, this sequence is kind of a callback to the Disney Tarzan in terms of mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, in the Disney Tarzan, he would slide slide down the branches. Um, and I remember actually in the Tarzan video game, that was really the only part that was fun about that yes. video game. Uh, that yes. game sucked. Um, yes. But in this version, um, I guess that would. Um, perhaps break um your uh suspension of disbelief so what they have them do yeah. is like run on the branches yes um, which looks awkward as hell because obviously the branches <laughs> are fake like obviously yes. they're i mean they are green branches but like what they're actually were running on was just like you know the very vibrant green that you use for cgi i'm sure um, yep. and it looks horrendous in and th- this is part of the trouble with um with making pulp stories into movies using like um kind of like a modern day action adventure um aesthetic because the these characters are like fundamentally unbelievable like when 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 tarzan was fighting his brother gorilla yeah and he gets his ass kicked like there's no way a human being could believably like go toe-to-toe with a gorilla but like tarzan does like he he wrestles gorillas in the stories all the time but it's just like it's such unbelievable bullshit and like trying to make it into a David Yates action adventure like fight scene, it just falls apart on the face of it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean adding any uh, you know semblance of realism is just a mistake, uh, especially yeah. after the uh, the fight sequence when uh, Samuel Jackson's character uh, Williams uh, takes ants and uses ants as like stitches on Tarzan as, like, as, as, as sutures, yeah. like trying to hold up his the the, the cut that he received when his <laughs> when the monkey butt bit him. It's yeah, just like... it's ridiculous. Like kudos i mean it's kind of like clever but it's just it's so unbelievable it it's clever it, again it, it's one of those things that works running on pulp logic right. like i could totally buy that if i was reading one of the original stories um and it was like something that edgar rice burroughs heard in a saloon and it just sounded ridiculous to him but like he he kind of fabricated like this this fake ant that like is somewhat based on someone's misinterpretation of an ant that actually exists. And so it becomes a pulp like right. ant that you can use as like a, as a surgery thing, but no, not, not on film. <laughs> it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Um, and really, you know, I think the problem is they've just taken the pulpiness out of this altogether, you know, like, yeah. I mean, the muted tones of the colors of the, the color palette of this film. I mean, there's mm. nothing that is, that's vibrant. There's nothing that really pops um, even the dialogue, like they go more for realism than they do anything else. Um, Tarzan is a very subdued character. Like he doesn't 
He doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. He, he's so mopey. Yeah, he's he has, fucking he has emo. No lines. Like the yeah. whole movie. Yeah, he he just like he just stands there and like he even when he's with Jane, like he doesn't talk much. Which, like, I guess you could say like, oh, he's acting like a gorilla and just like showing visual language instead of like actually saying words. But he doesn't show visual language either. No. He just stands there. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, the only thing I like about Alexander Skarsgård's Tarzan, and it's not really him more so, it's the costume designers, but I liked his suit <laughs> that we first see him in. Yeah. That was a dope suit, really like, well-tailored. And then his weird smoking jacket that he wears yeah. in that one scene where like him and Jane are like straddling each other in a tree, which was uh, yes. just one of the worst sexual scenes in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And there's an actual sex scene in the movie as well, and, and <laughs> oh I was boy, I was yeah. reading some trivia on IMDb, and apparently David Yates told Margot Robbie to punch Alexander Skarsgård while they were <laughs> directing the sex scene because he says it's an earthy <laughs> moment of her enjoying sex with Alex. So I told her just slap Alex while you're making love, give him a punch. Um, he wanted it to be primal and animalistic. Oh boy. Um, but the actual sex scene that we see in the film is maybe like two or three shots. It's really poorly shot and you can't even tell, again, the same lighting issue. You can't even tell what's going on. Yeah. Um, but apparently that's because it was edited for time. So. <laughs> Owned. The movie's too long. It is um, uh, yeah. hour 50. Yep. Uh, it should not be. It should be 90 minutes. All pulp movies, hot take here, yep. should be 90 minutes. I mean, <laughs> that's our hot take for every movie. Every movie should be 90 minutes, but especially pulp. Especially pulp. Like, that's inherent to to the genre, I would say. Like, it, it needs to be, like, quick and just, like, really, like, cut really, like, fast and, like, zippy and just move along at, like, a frantic pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, even just the pace of this film is anti-pulp. Yes, that that's perfect. That, that That's the pull quote for this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, there are there are a ton a ton a ton of, of flashbacks kind yeah, of interwoven throughout the, throughout the plot um and through those flashbacks we kind of they, they are set chronologically and we get a sense of like tarzan being orphaned and then growing up being raised by the by the gorillas and, and meeting jane and, and killing mabunga's son and everything um and they're like cardinal sin of using flashbacks like what the content of the flashbacks doesn't relate to what's going on no um in the the present day story at all yeah it it's literally just like woven in just to pad out the runtime and and give like the origin story of tarzan right right um yeah because it's you know what you can consider kind of an in media res film in terms of you know like tarzan's life right i mean like we are entering tarzan's life after all of this which i think is a great idea like it's really interesting that's what i was most interested about this film i was like oh okay this is tarzan after growing up in the jungle now he goes back to his aristocratic roots in england like you know we're gonna have like a you know a a fish out of water situation they don't do any of that at all not a single bit of it like even the thor movie the first thor movie had more like interesting and funny little like fish out of water moments like when he he slams down the beer stein and says more grog please and everything breaks Uh that was coffee, actually. Oh, that's right. Funnier. That's yeah. right. Even right, even funnier, you know. Or like when he puts his his hammer on the um, on the coat rack. That's in the second. Is one, that in the second yes. one? Okay, yeah. yeah. Even, so even the second Thor movie has better moments than this <laughs> fucking movie. Uh, I guess on the resident pro con MCU scholar, apparently <laughs> a, a shameful title to be sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just bad. And I mean, like one of the, one of the 
one of the advantages to working with a pulp character, especially one as famous as Tarzan, is um, everyone knows the the basic conceit. Everyone knows Tarzan was raised by gorillas. Like that's the one thing people know about right. him. So you don't have to show that. Like there is this cultural memory around Tarzan. So like, just cut away the fat, cut away the the origin story fat. But no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. It's just like every Batman movie, right? Like we have to see the Waynes die. So in a yes. Tarzan movie, you have to see Tarzan's origin story. I mean, yes. granted, like there have been, I mean, dozens of Tarzan movies in like the 30s and 40s. I'm, I'm sure not all of them do an origin story. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure the first one is. And then after that, you know, they just keep going because uh, most of them are sequels of each other. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't want to see any of them. I don't care at all about this I mean, character, it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, pulp stories lend themselves very well to to serialization. Like yeah. that—that's that's one of the key defining aspects of the character of of, of the genre. Right. Yeah. Um, it would have been even, even interesting if this film was kind of like a, it had like a vignette uh, quality to it. Like if they did that mm. instead, you know, kind of like these vignettes yeah. of uh, you know, okay, here's him arriving in uh, London, and uh, here's a fish out of water thing, and then a little mm. vignette in the Congo, then a little vignette mm. here and here and here. I mean, but it's not that obviously. It's crap. No, yeah, they. I don't know. The, we've officially put more thought into this movie than <laughs> than David Yates did. I mean, I, we we kind of say that with a lot of movies, but like we really did here. We really did, folks. Trust us. Um. Yeah. I guess. God, we haven't said anything good about this movie for a long time. So, like, I guess <laughs> something I liked or I appreciated, and this is purely personal, is um, Tarzan when he's when he's at his Lord Buckingham the uh, estate he's just like reading documents or whatever he um he eats he eats a, a soft boiled egg and he, he drinks some like whiskey and that's like what i eat at 3 a.m when i'm reading stuff so i, I found that relatable nice, i guess nice. do you eat a soft boiled egg really or do you do a hard boiled egg um i mean when i'm eating them here at home soft boiled is better okay but like hard boiled is easier to transport yeah. if like you need to bring it to work right. or something i actually don't think it's boiled at all like i really think like he just punctured them and just like ate them raw i'm trying to find some common ground with tarzan here <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to insinuate that i i'm i'm as i'm as attractive as alexander skarsgård your hair I, is long so you got we that have the hair favor. <laughs> yeah it's about yes. the same color i think yours yeah, is that's, a that's little true. darker um mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Um, he had like dreadlocks throughout this movie. Well, in the flashback sequences, he had dreadlocks. Yeah. Yeah. When, when he's a child and when he's like a teenager, he has, he has matted, matted dreadlock hair. Yeah. Um, but when he's, when he, when he's an adult, he's civilized, so quote unquote civilized. So like it, it gets cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there were, let's talk about some of the awkward jokes. Um, one of the flashback oh, awkward jokes is when Tarzan meets Jane. Uh, Tarzan is completely buck naked. Uh, I kind of appreciated that. Like, obviously, yep. like, he wouldn't have a loincloth. Um, he would get that later. Like, um, but again, like, that that's one of those pulp things that, like, yes. he would have had a loincloth. Right, of course. So, like, it's an archetypical thing. Yeah, it's right. it's silly to undo that. But I also thought, like, in this realist setting, it makes sense. And, you know, it's, sure. It, it, sure. I'll give him something. Um, so he's completely naked. Uh, he comes upon Jane in the uh, in the woods or in the forest or the jungle. That's what that's the word. Uh, the jungle, <laughs> in, the, in the the location in which he lives. Um, and uh, he like starts sniffing her. Um, right. and then like she stops him when he starts like sniffing her vagina, basically. That's um again that that's another poorly ripped off joke from the cartoon version, because um the the Disney version because when when he first meets Jane. He's like, 
like poking her and prodding her and it's, it's like cute and innocent and like she's laughing because he's tickling her right and then he tries to lift up lift up her dress and then she, she kicks him yeah yeah so this is the adult version of that folks yeah <laughs> oh, it's, this is this ain't your kids disney tarzan movie <laughs> this is uh another adult joke uh involving genitalia is um <laughs> so after uh the uh gorilla oh the brother gorilla atuk uh beats the shit out of tarzan um williams uh Samuel Jackson's character is like, oh, let me just shoot him. And he's like, and Tarzan's like, no, get down on the ground and like show him your like, you know, your back, show him your vulnerable parts, bow to him. Um, so right. he does that. And um, we get this awkward shot that's like behind Atuk between his legs. We can see it, uh, his so like, cla- classic, like, um, uh, what is it? Graduate. graduate. Yeah, it's basically a yes. graduate <laughs> shot. Um, but this gorilla's butt and legs, and then you can see uh, Samuel Jackson's face, and he's like, "What do you want me to lick the gorilla's nutsack?" Oh my god! Um, and like, then oh, tar- Mrs. Co- Mrs. Coco the gorilla, are you trying to seduce me? <laughs> That's an episode title. Um, <laughs> but then, like, they just keep they. They have a callback to that joke, and that's what uh, yeah. the uh, the reviewer was talking about, uh, Jesse Hassinger. Mm-hmm. Like, this is they they bring that back at one point. It's like, why? It wasn't funny the it's first like, time. Huh? That it's funny, like joking because you're afraid you're gonna die, but that you're gonna that you're gonna f- fillet a gorilla yeah, like that. That's objectively worse, apparently. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, and then the priest pedophilia joke. Oh my god, that. That's actually really interesting. Um, I mean, go ahead and describe it, then I'll 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 I'll, dis- I'll say what I found notable about it. Okay, so um, when we actually uh, learn about uh, Leon Rom Christoph Waltz's uh, rosary, when he explains the rosary to Jane in that uh, dining scene, uh, she says something. She says like, "Oh, you were you were really close with your priest," and he says something like, "Oh, what are you trying to insinuate?" Exactly. Um, I found that to be a very um, prominent example of this movie's, um, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote a term here, uh, dumb people contemporary history slash culture, <laughs> otherwise known as DPCHC for short. Um, so it's like taking modern day political or, or cultural talking points and like, like, like the, the tonality of that, like saying like, oh, Catholic priests are pedophiles, right. like that has been around for ages i'm obviously not disputing that but like joking about it in that way is like a distinctly 21st century thing mm-hmm. oh for sure and kind of in kind of shoehorning it into that conversation it felt really out of place for like when this movie was supposed to take place um some other examples are like um the the prime minister character says oh look, he, he's going to create jobs in the congo like that, right like technically true within the context of the of the history and of when this was happening but like to phrase like that is like a very signaling to dumb people like oh you've heard this phrase right this is what modern day american politicians say like republican politicians yeah yeah and it's a it's a it's a vaguely bad thing to care about that over like the lives of african people so like it, it 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 uses modern day political shorthand as like a tonal thing um to to get across the message of the movie but like it it sounds it comes off as very awkward mm-hmm. and there's only like maybe two or three instances which i don't know if that's better or worse you know like that they they kind of gave up right. on it like halfway through the movie i think they're all kind of front-loaded um there's right. the corset thing where jane is uh packing exactly. to go on exactly. the trip and she's like how many uh corsets do you take and she's like 
the 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 nursemaid's like four or eight and she's like i think i'll take four blah 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 it's um in the corset thing that's another parallel with uh, pirates of the caribbean actually oh, that's um, right yes because like yeah kira knightley's character um elizabeth swan hates wearing corsets but like it's it's justified for that character because like she likes to be like an action sword person right. and um it becomes a plot point when captain sparrow cuts off the corset so she doesn't drown when she had been sinking yeah mm-hmm. so like like that that kind of sensibility can work in these action pulpy movies it's just like if you if you make them more like holistically relevant to the character yeah definitely um and that that's the problem with this movie in general um there is no holistic characters you know <laughs> really like they they don't exist um you know even like there's the one um kuba soldier uh wasimbu who ostensibly jane knows from her time in africa when growing right. up and you know she jokes with his wife like oh your baby's so beautiful but wasimbu's so ugly and then like wasimbu's also taken hostage uh, by rom and but just like you never care about him like he doesn't ha- he just no. smiles he just has like this dopey look on his face the whole movie he has a he has a dopey smile he just like kind of like smiles <laughs> and just like bumbles around yeah, everywhere. no <laughs> characterization at all I guess we could call him the the failed child of the movie because yeah. we don't have one yet. That's true. Yeah, let's just do that. He's the failed child. I mean, he gets he gets captured. He gets put in like this cage that they mm-hmm. then like um, they lower him down on like pulley system into the water. Um, and then there's uh, and Jane helps him escape. Yeah, Jane helps him escape. That's how she escapes. She jumps. Uh, she like punches one guy, jumps off the um, the steamboat. Um, they get chased by a hippo. But like nothing comes of that. Like they're almost never in danger from the hippo. No, they're never in danger from that. Um, well, then she gets recaptured because like the gorillas, they they stumble into gorilla territory, right? And then Rom catches up with her and captures her, like, and starts killing gorillas. Yeah, yeah. This is when a bunch of gorillas are killed. Um, I don't think any of like the the main gorillas, like Atuk, his brother, no. isn't killed. Nala, Kala is already killed. The mother, um, well before this story starts. So right, um, and even like the big bad gorilla, I don't think we see him in the present day sequences at all. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Yeah, and, and then like, just let's get done with this shit. Like, <laughs> and then like, <laughs> um, Tarzan and and Williams go to the diamond diamond cave tribe and yes. Tarzan has a has a showdown with Mbuntu and they convince him that the real enemy is Rom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which could have been cool. Like, you know, like that's a great idea. I like it. You know, but like mm-hmm. it's just it's it does it's undeserved in this film. Yeah, to to contrast it directly with like again, I guess like a Marvel movie and I'm not particularly fond of Black Panther, but Black Panther does it better. Like when um T'Challa and the gorilla tribe leader have their have their showdown in the water it's like also next to a waterfall and like ankle deep water yeah it just it's, it's basically like the same scene more or less yeah. except this one sucks and that one's like well directed yeah exactly exactly um i guess muantu's character to give to give another scrap of credit here his his outfit is cool he wears like this leopard armor it's, yeah. it's like the head of a leopard and he has like these claws that he fights with on his like these claw gauntlets on his on his arms that he fights with which are, which are kind of dope yeah and actually uh on his uh leopard uh headdress the uh the eyes actually have the diamonds in the eyes um, nice detail yeah, that's, that's a nice that's detail uh, it's perfect for r slash uh, movie details um although it is, it does it, actually make the headdress look like goofy yes. like it just 
It's just that because like the eyes almost look like cross-eyed. <laughs> but that's <laughs> again, that's another pulp thing. Like I, I can like picture in my head like this purple prose description by by Burroughs, like writing like in the top of the chief's mighty head, like in inset within the the formerly mighty like eye sockets of of the once great beast, like were set two uncut diamonds and like they they gleamed in the moonlight or something but yeah at the end of the day like it, if you make that shit realistic it just looks like a cross-eyed dead leopard yeah. <laughs> uh and everything nick just said was better than all the dialogue in, in this movie folks <laughs> yes. yeah i i honestly think tarzan has less has, has fewer lines than um williams and jane and rom Oh, by far, yeah. I mean, because Rom has that whole dialogue scene with Jane, mm-hmm. and that's definitely, I, even in that scene alone, is more than Tarzan says. And you can do, like, a, a mostly silent protagonist. Like, you can do, like, a man with no name thing, but, like, you, you shouldn't try it for, like, a popcorn Saturday matinee movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just doesn't work in this film at all. Um so yeah, they get that tribe to help them, um, and um, what happens is, uh, so what Rom wants to do is he wants to, he's paying off this guy whose name is From, his last name is From, actually, F-R-U-M, like David From. <laughs> he's like this mercenary guy who has like 50,000 mercenaries, um, right. and they're going to come and they're going to like they're going to spread out to the 50 different like forts that are in the, the free state Congo. Right. And he's basically going to be like warlord Lord of the Congo. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rum's plan is to pay him off or pay him off. Cause he had gotten him to stick around and pledge his support or whatever. Yeah. Um, in addition to bringing most of the diamonds back to back to King Leopold. Um, so the Tarzan Williams, all all of their disparate African like like warriors and like tribesmen and stuff and the animals kind of all come together, they they all band together and they they create a stampede of um, I think like African water buffalo or yeah, something. yeah or wildebeest because they, they swim yeah yeah but I I was thinking water buffalo because that the, the point is they send the they send the stampede down through the town and then when they get to the docks they jump off into the water oh and start yeah that's swimming. true they probably are yeah, yeah water buffalo um those things those things are terrifying they're enormous and they're like they're like deadly yeah uh it's one of the better action set pieces i think it probably Mm -hmm. is the best action set piece um it's the biggest one it's the most comprehensible one because it's in broad daylight yeah um i like when so there's like this um just like this colonial building it could have been like an inn or something and there's just like some like uh belgians sitting on the porch and then like all of a sudden the uh the water buffalo just like bursts through yes. the, the the walls and like they're just like knocking out these belgian guys and then like you see the whole structure just like fall just crumble <laughs> yeah that was pretty cool it was cool um i'm trying to think tarzan rides the back of a water buffalo at one point that's cool yeah like he jumps on the back and then he rides it and then he stands up on it and then he jumps from the back onto like a scaffolding above him. It's, it's kind of kind of dope. Um, yeah, they they basically level the town with the stampede, like that. That's the idea. And then, God, it gets, it gets so confusing and it's so confusing because it's so poorly staged and edited. Like you were saying, um, like we 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 see Rum trying to escape onto a on a steamboat to get to the big ships out in the harbor um that david from owns <laughs> and tarzan chases after him 
and uh, Williams kind of he 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 capsizes the ship and it starts to sink because he like shoots it up with the machine gun. Yeah, yeah. And he has some dumb quip about like, oh, this this is better than my Remington back home or something. And he just like unloads the clip into the boat. And that was also then, so dumb because we don't even see the boat start to sink. Like it's just like no. the boat is randomly sinking at one point. Like no. it goes like maybe five or six shots between uh, Williams, like you know, just shooting it. Um, we see some holes getting poked through the side, but kind of like pretty high on the on the side of the yeah, ship. like 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 window window yeah, level. like window level, not like you know the the bottom of the boat. Um, and then we cut back to like Jane, we cut back to Tarzan, and then randomly the boat is just like sinking. You're just like oh. it's like it's like seventy five percent underwater yeah. already. It's just it, again continuity editing, not their strong. You know suit. what I. I don't think we even really see Christoph Waltz like boarding the boat and see the boat like casting off. No, no, we don't see any of that kind of stuff. I, I think I think we we jump from Tarzan rescuing Jane because she's like hanging above, she's hanging by her fingertips above the water buffalo, and then he he tosses Jane to Williams and like we see more general destruction and then we see maybe like a few shots of of Christoph Waltz like looking worried, and then the next time we see him he's on the boat and it's already out in the yeah, harbor. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, so like there's no connective there's no connective tissue of him like boarding the boat like oh i, I guess we're on this boat now yeah. it's just yeah no truly awful um so then tarzan and him have this like we can, i guess we can call it a fight i don't know he just chokes him mm-hmm. out with that rosary um he he sneaks up behind him and manages to slip the rosary around his neck and he ties the rosary off he ties it to like a fence yeah mm-hmm. or a railing or something um a boat fence a boat fence (laughs) (laughs) um but then tarzan makes a noise and it's been established in this movie that like tarzan can mimic any animal's call right um especially mating calls um, yeah, cuz he, he's horny. He's really Eternally. horny. He's a sex pest. Tarzan's a sex pest. Um <laughs> And then uh he makes a noise and uh Christopher Waltz is like, "What was that?" He was like, "A crocodile mating call." And then we right. get a bunch of crocodiles come and they eat Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah, they and Tarzan is in such good shape that he just flexes his neck oh, muscles yeah. <laughs> and it it snaps the invulnerable um spider silk rosary cord. Yeah. Um, which again, in a better movie, like showing like the primal strength of, of this, of this King of the jungle, like snapping the, the, the bonds of like religious imperialism would have been a good symbol, but it's just like, there's nothing behind it. There's absolutely nothing nothing behind it. Yeah. They don't even stress like the religious element of like colonialism. Like, it's just like, oh, he has a rosary and that's it. Like that's supposed to do all the legwork there. (laughs) They they didn't even really stress the evils of colonialism at no, all. No, not at all. They just said like, "Oh, they're slaves, and that's it." It's yeah. It's it's like developing the Congo would be good if it were done more humanely. Yeah, basically. I mean, if there weren't slaves, this movie like they wouldn't care. Like Tarzan would just be like, "Oh, whatever." It, exactly. It's, it's. I mean, he basically was. Oh, whatever. Like he obviously knew that like King Leopold was in the Congo, right? Like he just it, didn't care. He was oh whatever, and he didn't even want to go. He had to be convinced by Jane to go in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, or and, and like Will, Williams and Jane. Williams and Jane, right? Him. Yeah, even Williams after Williams told him, he's like, oh, I guess maybe I'll go. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it's so weird. Like Tarzan is totally assimilated at the beginning of this movie. He's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm John. Don't call me Tarzan. Yeah. Like, I'm just... yep. Yeah, and I did a little bit of research about the books, and apparently, like, that is a big element. Like, just the um, kind of like the 
becoming civilized. Like, I mean, he even learns to read apparently while he's in the jungle. He um, teaches himself to yeah, read. He teaches himself to read. <laughs> his, his dead parents had left books. Books. Behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he learns to read in the jungle. Um, he becomes. He basically becomes civilized in the jungle, um, and it's just like. You know, it says it all right there. Like, it's just, it is another way to distinguish this white character from all the savages, you know, in, in Africa. Yeah, he, he's basically like an Ubermensch character. Yeah. Um, as, as originally conceived. Like, the idea, he, he's not even a noble savage no. when he was first created. He, he's like a genius. And like, a, a, in addition to being like physically superior. Right. Which, it, which is pretty wild, like considering the considering like the the politics bubbling beneath that um it, it it's like he has the best of both worlds he has the best of like the the the, the quote-unquote savage side and the best of like the civilized side so like like he he takes he takes like the gifts of like the dark continent and he takes like his good heritage of like proper good old england and he, it makes him like the superior man um, I, I trust I don't have to ex- elaborate like the racist implications of that to anyone listening. Yeah, but like, hopefully not. It's um, fucked up. <laughs> it's it's fucked up though. I mean, you know, there's an interesting line of dialogue too when Williams is trying to convince him to go before he tells him, "Hey, I want to go because there's slavery in the Congo." He he calls Tarzan Africa's favorite son. That was wild. Which is, and I mean, again, like. In a different context, I could see that line working. Like, if it if it's if it was like sold as a stuffy, out of touch, racist English guy saying that, um, and if that and if that concept were explored within the movie, it could maybe work. Yeah, but it's but not. um, no, the, this movie is not that responsible. Mm-mm. No, I also thought like as much as I do appreciate the Williams character and you know his backstory in the movie is his backstory in real life. I also thought it was interesting how, like, the character who's supposed to represent American imperialism, because he talks about the Indian Wars, and he even says at one point, I'm no better than King Leopold. Like, that character is a black American. It's like, uh, I don't know, guys. I think, like, uh, white Americans, for the most part, kind of did all that shit. But, you know, I get it. Like, he, this is his real life story that they're using. I mean, hey, I, w- I would like a movie about George Washington Williams. Like, yeah. where's his movie? Like, where's he-, he has a fascinating life. Like, right. Like, he, actually, the actual person, just make a biopic. We don't have to have him in a fucking Tarzan movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's he's like a soul, like a, like a kind of like romanticized, like soldier for hire. He fought in like three different wars. He was like a prominent historian. He he wrote on behalf of like free, like helping like end, end the yoke of, um the yoke of like Belgium upon the Congo all in real life. Like that's. Yeah. Shit's great. Yeah. Um, so I haven't read this book, but I hear it's great. Uh, it's called Everfair, and it is a speculative fiction book about basically mm. all the same shit that this movie is about, but better. Um, it's about how, like, uh, these, like, socialists and uh, Congo Congolese people, like, rebel against the uh against king leopold um and, mm. and williams is in that book as well uh the books by uh, nissi shawl and uh she's okay. a, a speculative fiction uh fantasy sci-fi writer um but yeah it's supposed to be great it's basically like everything this movie's trying to do but better yeah um especially if you get into that i mean th- this movie is for all intents and purposes speculative fiction i guess all like historical fiction technically falls under that so like yeah, I don't know. There's no excuse. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, Quentin Tarantino remake this movie uh, and yes. uh, have Samuel Jackson just be the, the true main character. They, uh, maybe maybe not Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's true. I actually don't. But I don't know. I'm just thinking of like, he's like one of the only directors who makes like speculative fiction movies, like like true yeah. speculative fiction movies. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that the movie just ends like Tarzan and Jane have another passionless makeout session after after the boat blows up and Christoph Waltz dies. Um everyone cheers like oh we saved the congo which is not what happened in real life um yeah but like we jumped to a year later and tarzan and jane had a baby yeah and that's it Mm -hmm. that's it like we one thing that was cool is um samuel l jackson does a voiceover um narration of sections of the open letter that the real life williams actually did write king leopold yes um, which was which which is cool if if you're gonna include the character that's a great way to to end the movie, um, but yeah it it just ends with like this weird shot of Tarzan swinging through the trees and and then holding his baby against the sunset with with Jane really strange very strange ending of this film yeah um I don't know we'll, we'll go with workers of note we're at that point yeah <laughs> uh, workers of note we have um, Magnus Ligd back. <laughs> I don't I don't care. Um yeah. he's a nutritionist and personal trainer. He was the nutritionist yeah. and personal, tra- personal trainer for Alexander Skarsgård. Um who it must be admitted he looks incredible in this yeah. movie. He's yeah. cut as hell. He's, he's full. Uh he's looking good. My man's looking good. Um, and what's wild is like Alexander Skarsgård, he's not like the best actor, but he's like competent, I guess. And like Margot Robbie is a good actor. And they're like two decent actors and they're like the most beautiful people alive and they have zero chemistry with zero each other. chemistry it was awful yeah just they, they are like ubermensch like propaganda like when you see them on screen together like they're just unreal looking and they're just like interact eh, 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 no 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 vibe yeah they're not vibing at all um magnus league back was also uh ben affleck's uh nutritionist and trainer for justice league hell yeah um and uh alicia vikander's for the tomb raider film which uh yeah. also was a box office flop and has a bad rating on rotten tomatoes so we might be doing that one in the future <laughs> cannot be worse than tarzan no I'm, um, I'm sure it's better we have two other works of note here and uh, we have uh, Catherine Tidy and Samantha Dixon, who are uh, the home economist and home economist assistant, respectively. Uh, so a home economist on a film set is uh, someone who makes uh, food and like food products look appealing, look um, appetizing. Um, specifically, we chose it because those eggs looked good that he ate. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's, it, it kind of harkens back to that old line that you hear in your life, like, oh, how come the Big Macs that I order don't look as good as the ones I see on commercials. It's like, cause home economists do that and they make things look appetizing. Right. Yeah. Um, it should be noted. They are not chefs is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. there are still chefs who make the food, um, or they, who don't, I mean, honestly, sometimes home economists just like make stuff from like, you know, just random materials, honestly. Um, and I'm sure with like a scene with long or ex- extended or multiple takes, it, it can't be real food. It has right. to be fabricated. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the eggs. Like you could make a fake egg. You don't have to have an actual quail egg. Uh, <laughs> but it looked real. So kudos to these two. So yeah, f- uh, for our closing recommendations here, um, what do you got for broke? 
so we got uh, guys who want to get absolutely shredded. Uh, as we <laughs> said, yeah. uh, Skarsgård's looking good. Uh, he was in his 40s when he made this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if that's your thing, uh, go uh, go watch like Magnus uh, Ligbeck's videos on YouTube. I imagine he has <laughs> some. Uh, I, I checked his Twitter and it was just like him talking about his routines. Um, Hell yeah. So yeah, if that's your thing. If you uh, want to drop down to like 1% body fat, <laughs> literally, like yeah. go for it. Go for it. Um, woke recommendation. Um, I guess if like you have this passing interest in anti-imperialists uh the the history of imperialism and 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 the the modern day depiction of anti-imperialism um well first you should actually go read adam hothschild's uh king leopold's ghost um which by all accounts is a great book um but if you don't have time for that and you're on a boring flight and you're half asleep um and they're offering this for free you you can watch this movie yeah exactly uh if you are at Redbox. And uh, you're like, what do I want to watch? Because I'm an anti-imperialist and I hate all these other movies. I guess <laughs> you can watch this one. <laughs> or you could stare at your wall, which yep. might, be <laughs> it might be better. Um, so our bespoke recommendation is for uh, anybody who is a fan of the 1996 to 1997 TV show Tarzan the Epic Adventures. God. Um, it was basically <laughs> oh a ripoff of uh, Hercules and Xena. Um, but it followed Tarzan. Um, it mostly followed the plot of the film Tarzan at the Earth's Core, which is one of the more heavy Damn. sci-fi fantasy books. Like there's a uh, there's lizard. I want people. that shit. Yeah, yeah. I want that. That's the real. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's the real shit. It's probably online. I didn't check, but uh, it's Hell only yeah. it's only like a season and a half. Then it got canceled. Um, so it's probably you could probably watch it on a weekend. Um, I didn't watch it when I was a kid, but I had action figures from this show that's kind of your thing it is my like thing. having random action figures yeah. and toys from series that, that you're not invested in not invested in at all um oh yeah yeah i had this one guy who was like a snake person he was pretty cool uh he came with armor and a cool cape and a spear um and i also had a floppy disk which might have came with the action figure it was a floppy disk of like a a text-based game like so like a like a te- like like one of those adventure games where you have to type in actions for the character yeah, to do. Yeah, something like that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, I never got past like the first level because I was stupid. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at um, the the figurerealm.com link that you've sent here. And we can we can include this in the show notes maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but this the the logo for the packaging looks familiar to me. Like it like it's evoking like this long buried like mem- like visual memory from childhood. Like the it's like a tarzan riding a lion against like a red sun yeah is, is what the logo looks like and that yeah i like for the fuck me but like i remember that logo mm-hmm. and they, they have some cool um poly pocket style uh yeah, yeah. Sets. <laughs> um they had they had a lot of those for star wars and i had a lot of the star wars ones but it was like a like a face like a gorilla face that opens right. up yeah yeah and yeah. and then e- each half of like the clamshell has like a playset for like the little I don't know, inch tall figures to, to play in. Yeah. I had a lot of those, not for this, but uh Mighty Max. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I had a bunch of Mighty Max ones. Um I had, I had a couple. I, I mostly I had all the Star Wars ones, but um I did have a couple Mighty Max ones like you were saying. Yeah. So um if that's part of your childhood, um actually it was really hard for me to find this. Like I was just like, 
uh, Tarzan action figures uh, <laughs> uh, lizard guy, and I eventually found Hell it. Oh, yeah. Um, but if this is part of your childhood, um, I don't know. Watch this movie. I d- never watch this movie, honestly. Like, I don't know why we keep no. saying that. Don't watch this movie. <laughs> hey, if you're into pulp shit, like, uh, go read the actual stories. I'm sure they're more batshit, and, like, just you can get some kind of value out of that. Yeah. Some entertainment value out of that. Yeah, some of the research I was doing um, said that there are a lot of books where he goes to Hollywood um and he like he gets cast as an extra like uh, a producer's like oh you're not the tarzan type uh and they cast him as That's... an extra and he like saves the actor from like a lion uh like on attacking set. him on set yeah that's that's fascinating that's legitimately an interesting take on the tarzan character yeah yeah it's really interesting um probably one of the less racist books yeah let's hope <laughs> damn yeah i mean god knows but yeah, so I guess I guess that concludes the first uh, episode that we have for for Pulp Month. Um, tune in next week to see uh, to see what our intrepid adventurers have for you next. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to my brother-in-law Mark. He actually bought this DVD for me for my wife's family's five dollar gift exchange. Uh, Damn it, Mark! Yeah. That's why we're doing. That's, <laughs> that's why. That's, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> Oh man! Shout out, Mark. Mark. Thank you. I hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kidding. I, I like Mark. He's a good guy. Good guy. Um, so yeah, we will see you next week, folks. We'll see you then, and we'll have more pulpy mysteries. Uh, oh wait, or something, or something. <laughs>